So I was spending some time this week with Jack Kornfield's book that's about to be out. It's called A Wise Heart. I recommend it to all of you. It's a, it's a book about Buddhist psychology, and it's quite extraordinary. Not here yet, but it'll be out by the end of April. And um, I was kind of caught by one of the things he was talking about in the beginning of the book, where he talks about how Buddhism has all these lists. And, you know, the, it's, I mean, there's a, even a list of the lists in a couple of places. There's so many of them. The, the ones, and there's a whole set of suttas, the ones, the twos, the threes. Each chapter is, you know, all the things that are just one, and then all the things that are two, and goes on forever. And it can seem, I think particularly in our culture, it can seem like that's pretty dry. It's not, not a very interesting way to learn things. And, um, and he points out, which I'm sure most of you know, that in an oral tradition, of course, it's really helpful to have it be that way because if you know there's only two and you can think of one, often if you kind of hang in there a little bit, you can think of the second one. And, um, and so it, it helps in memorizing things. So I was pondering, you know, we've spent, some of you have been here a lot in recent weeks, and we've been talking about this mega list that's called the 37 Wings of Awakening, and we've been looking at different things, and the four foundations of mindfulness, and the wise, four wise efforts, and the four powers, and the five faculties, and the five strengths, you know. And being the age I am at 66, I kind of like lists, actually, because I forget things fairly easily. And I'm sure some of you who are even younger than I am also like lists for the same reason. I don't think it's entirely age-related. And I was thinking about what happens when you go on a trip. You know, like you're going a big trip. Maybe you're going backpacking, or maybe you're going to Asia for a number of weeks, or months even, or maybe... Um, you know, you're going to be in, in Europe for the summer. And, and so when you are preparing for a journey, it's helpful to have some sense of what it is that you need, right? And, and sometimes um, you need some specific tools. If you're going backpacking, there's things that you better take, you know, if you're going to be out there in the woods without the usual comforts. And if you're going to Asia, there's some things you need to think about in terms of health and taking care of yourself. And it's like that. And so I was thinking that this list actually is a wonderful list. You could think of it as what you need for the journey of waking up. Because it is a journey. And we many of us talk about to ourselves as being on a spiritual journey or a spiritual path. And the sense is, if you're on a journey or a path, you're moving along from one place to the other. And so, you know, it is helpful to know how to be mindful. This is one of the things that that seems to be... Actually, mindfulness is on most of the lists. It's quite interesting. And so that that learning how to be present in a way that you know that you are present. There's a kind of a dim way that we're present a lot of the time. You know, you're kind of here, but you're not really here. 
But then there's the presence where you you are here and you know that you are here. And, And we practice that with the breath and the body and the states of the mind and the heart, learning how to be present with this human experience and and then there was the list on the wise ways to use effort and energy and encouraging helpful mind states and discouraging the ones that are not so useful and there was the the list of of the powers which are are a way of using energy to support your practice you know desire and persistence and intention and discrimination and we talked in the last couple of weeks we've been talking about these faculties and so the faculties of faith and effort and mindfulness and concentration and wisdom and those same things which are tools on your journey are also the strengths of your journey as you develop them they become what really allows you to keep going and so then we come to this chunk that we're going to talk about tonight um, which is actually called the factors of enlightenment so I want you to think everyone close your eyes and think back to a moment that you remember when you were quite awake it might have happened on the cushion for some of you but it might have happened somewhere else where you were really awake maybe you understood something or maybe you just we're seeing very, very clearly. So everybody got one? Yeah? So just popcorn out, if you're willing to, some of the things you notice about that state of awakeness. What's there? Everything is there. Everything is there, okay. Any qualities of that state? Spontaneous. Spontaneous. Light. Pardon? Light. Light, and then there was another one. Excitement. Excitement. Contentment. Contentment. Fluid. Fluid. Fearless. Fearless. Clarity. Uh huh. Clarity. Peaceful. Singularity. Peaceful. Singularity. <coughs> Unity. Unity. Vastness. Vastness. Presence. Presence. Okay. That's, that's enough. So we get some sense that there's some things that we're noticing about this state. And so the, the Buddha gives us a list of things that you can look for. So hold your state, hold your moment in your mind, because as I talk about these different things, I want you to kind of check back in. Was was this quality there or was that quality there? So, astoundingly enough, the first thing on this list is, in fact, mindfulness. So, what the Buddha is saying, somebody put out the word presence. You know, that, that you have to be present. That part of waking up is simply being here and knowing that you are here. So, that kind of complete presence, that you you are breathing and knowing that you are breathing, that you are hearing or sensing in some way and knowing that you are sensing, that you are sad and you know that you are sad, you are happy and you know that you are happy, you are angry and you know that you are angry. So you are 
And, and you can even be knowing that you are knowing. It gets kind of tricky in there, right? It's quite interesting. So, you're, so that, that is what mindfulness is. It's that complete presence, that way of being with people that, and with experience that is just fully there. So that's the first requirement. So none of this can happen if you're not there. Not so useful. So if you look back to your awake moment, even that you could, so many people could put out words that described it, tells me that you were really there. One of the things I've learned about my bad memory is that if I stop, I'm taking my pills in the morning. This is a good one, right? And if I stop, and I go, okay, mindfully, I am taking my pills. I'm taking the yellow pill and the blue pill, and I swallow them. I'm taking my white supplements and I swallow them and I'm mindful. And then I remember. It's very interesting actually. It's kind of fun to see that it has is a little prosaic, but it does really mean that you were there. And so often those kinds of activities are on were on automatic. And then five minutes later you go, oh, Did I take my pills? You know, and then you do whatever you do to try to figure out if you took them or not. Okay, so mindfulness. The second quality, I'm trying to think if I heard anything that spoke to this, so I'm not sure, is actually is the quality of effort. That there's a way in which you're bringing some energy to the experience. So it's not a uh, kind of thing, although it certainly is a relaxed, a relaxed kind of space often, but there's a certain level of energy that is there in your presence. It takes some energy to be present like that. And so, and regulating your energy, as we've talked about many times in here, is part of the art of it. Not too much, not too little, getting it just right for any particular moment. And sometimes it takes a lot of energy to be fully present. So hard. It can be chaotic or noisy or you can be really upset and um, you know, there's a lot that's pulling you away, and and so that it's the energy to just bring yourself back into that moment. And then, so that's one of the things to look for. These are like landmarks. So it's just like a map that's telling you, okay, these are the things you'll find them in those moments. So the next one is interest, and in or investigation sometimes. So it's that place where you get really interested in your experience. What is this thing that's happening to me? What is this feeling in my heart? Am I angry? Am I afraid? For years I had a feeling that would come up sometimes on retreats that I thought was fear. And I would sit there and I would note it, you know, oh, fear, fear, the way they teach you to do sometimes when you're doing long retreats. And then one day I got kind of interested, what is this experience really? And I went into it and it wasn't fear. I was excited. Was, I've come to call it the roller coaster feeling. It's that point where you're just about to go down, you know. It's like, <gasps> and so there was kind of an excitement about it. And when I saw that, then I could open to it and relax and let it unfold to whatever was next. So, so you bring this very intense investigation 
And it, so it can be something simple. You might maybe you're itching. Itching is a good one actually. Because itching we tend to go, oh, I'm itching, this is terrible. But if you can kind of step back a little, sometimes I drop the notion of itch and just think of sensation and go into it. All of a sudden you realize this experience is very interesting. What's happening? And it begins to break apart and you and it becomes many, many smaller experiences and you go, oh, this is not what I thought it was. And the experience is not what I thought it was. And this kind of investigation and interest leads you to the next landmark, which is that, uh, it's called rapture, actually. But it's that place where you just get so, it's so wonderful what's happening. You're so interested in that sound. And sometimes there's actual joy, and sometimes there's energetic things that happen in the body that go with this. So it's a place where you're really settling into your experience. And it can be quite, sometimes it's even a little bit unpleasant, but mostly there's, there's um, a, it's a way of just getting so deep into your experience that it's amazing, maybe. I heard amazement, I think, um, from a couple of people. So you're just, ah, in it. So then, so those are the, so there are three what are called arousing factors, three of the landmarks of awakening that are kind of bringing your energy up. So that is effort itself and investigation and rapture. And then there are three that are kind of calming and settling. So again, it has some balancing kind of um, way that it works in our practice as well. So then the mind gets really focused. So the people often on retreats, especially when I teach in the summer over at Vajrapani, we have flies that get into the meditation hall. And so people sometimes do really interesting things like this, you know, <laughs> and to keep the flies away. But often what happens is after a while people go, okay, this is interesting. And then they get really focused on these little feet walking up their arm, one foot after another. And, and, and the concentration becomes really, really strong. And that can happen with the breath. And maybe, maybe it's the breath. You, get, you, get, you start investigating the breath, and then you get really interested. There's a lot of rapture. And then you're just, it's like the mind gets really focused and concentrated and one-pointed. It's just with that. And when that begins to happen, it's much harder to fall off into thinking and storytelling. And that. It's not that it can't happen, but, but um, it's much harder. And so you're really, really focused. And with that focus comes great tranquility and quiet. And this place of stillness which is, you know, sometimes we kind of want to jump right there. I think you can't jump right there. And that's one of the ways that this particular teaching is a, is a sequence. And it says, you know, you kind of have to go through these different steps. And then there does begin to be some quiet. 
and some spaciousness. Somebody said vastness. I remember hearing the word vastness. Or it might be a sense of unity, or it might be a sense of peace, and some of the different words. There might be light. He's often space, you know, lots of space, and quite quiet. And the mind is actually pretty settled, and different things come and go, sounds and body sensations and the breath, and maybe even an occasional thought floats through, but you don't kind of catch on to it, and there's, it's just pretty settled. And then, with that, comes equanimity, that place of balance, where nothing knocks you off balance. You're really pretty stable, even sometimes when difficult emotions arise. And so, so if you're thinking now, are you remembering your thing that you were remembering? And just, so think about it just a little bit. Mindfulness. Mindfulness. Were you mindful? What was happening with your energy? Was it probably a bit up anyway, enough to be there? What about investigation and interest? Was it interesting? Were you bringing some interest to the experience? What about this place of rapture and joy and and really, almost sometimes the word fascination comes to me with that one, where you're really just so into the experience. What about concentration? You know, was there a way in which the mind was really focused on just what was happening? And then that place of peace and tranquility and calm. And did you notice equanimity? Equanimity is the great fruit of this practice because equanimity is that which when you leave the cushion and go back into the world you don't get knocked about so much, you keep your balance and it's a bit like being one of those weighted dolls, you know mm-hmm. so things come along and you might wobble a little but then you come back up and then like that you know, so hmm. <clears throat> So this is really a map. It's a list, but it's a map. And all of these lists are intended to be useful. You know, and I use the analogy at the beginning of the talk of you could consider them the many, many lists as equipment and descriptions of the journey. Or you can um, consider them as descriptions of the experience of the heart and the mind, the human experience. And, you know, sometimes a a list is kind of a a drag or a bore, but the other side of it is that people have been here before you. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You know? And so you can use the list as a guide for your own investigation that takes us back to that factor of investigation and it's not that you're expected to take the list and go oh that's what's in my mind that's how my heart is please don't use it to explore use it to go is this true do I find this to be true in my mind and in my heart if you don't that's fine you know, I, you know. Sometimes it's interesting to talk about it. Sometimes it means you've gone off on some some other track, and someone can help you come back. And then you'll find, oh, after all, it is there. That's usually how it is with the Buddhist lists. But you know, it might be that you would 
come up, and you certainly will come up with your own particular flavor of your own experience. And that's exactly what the Buddha wanted us to do, was to find our own unique individual way. So in addition to holding these things as maps, and this one I think is particularly a map, because this is the one, it's almost like saying, okay, you will know if you are a bit waked up, maybe a lot waked up, if you look around and you see these things. If you see them, you know you're on the right track. So just for fun for a minute, now think of your most recent really unenlightened moment. (laughs) Really unenlightened, when you were grumpy or reactive or lost your temper or mean or whatever it was that you were. You don't know, we're not going to ask you to speak it. So just remember that moment, or maybe utterly depressed or whatever. So then, notice, what about mindfulness? I wasn't mindful, I know that. What about effort and energy? Sometimes that's there, but it's not very well directed, and it's certainly not one of the wiser efforts, usually. Because usually what's around is one of the negative or harmful mind states, and we're often, at least I, am often allowing it to be there. I'm not trying to discourage it. What about investigation? You know, investigate my own anger? I don't think so. You know, I just want to be angry. What about rapture? That's not there usually. Um, Certainly not concentration. Often we're very rattled and not focused at all. Not calm, usually. And certainly not equanimous, no equanimity. So that lets you know, whoops, Yes, it wasn't so waked up, was it? And it helps, actually, to have a little bit of humor about it and to let it go and see if you can do better next time. And sometimes you'll see, oh, some of the factors were there, but not all of them. And that is a clue to where you need to work. So one last thing to say, which is um, you can also, one of the traditional ways to hold this particular list is as a prescription so if you don't like any of the other ways that we've been using lists tonight you can think of this as medicine and this is to help you get better and so you can use these different factors and develop them practice them in your life as a way of bringing more awakening so I thought I would end this part of the talk (coughs) with a poem (coughs) It's a poem from Cheslamilos. And it's a poem about a pretty awake kind of day where he was quite present and definitely balanced. It's called The Gift. He <coughs> says, A day so happy, fog lifted early, I worked in the garden. Hummingbirds were stopping over honeysuckle flowers. There was nothing on earth I wanted to possess. I knew no one worth my envying him. Whatever evil I had suffered, I forgot. To think that I was once that man did not embarrass me. 
In my body, I felt no pain. When straightening up, I saw the blue sea and sails. So it may be important to say, out of reading that poem, that this waking up business isn't often complicated. You know? It's not like... It's not like all of these factors are there and somehow then you're in a very different realm or you see things in a very different way. It's just that you're here. And the fog lifts and the hummingbirds stop on the flowers and there's not a lot of story about the past or other people. There's just the present moment and the blue sky and the sails. It's enough. So I think I'll stop there and see if you have questions or comments about this particular map, piece of the map. Axel, please. Well, you read a poem, and I think that's probably really appropriate because I think in the end, uh, well, I'm an engineer, so, you know, I always like to engineer things, and I think this isn't something you can really engineer. So the list is great, but maybe <laughs> maybe the list, can, maybe the best analogy to think of it is sort of like, well, they're, they're colors, and then you still have to paint the picture. Yeah. And so it's almost like an art form in a yeah. sense. And, yeah. That's, that usually helps me because then I get out of my own way. And Thank you. I think that's true. Yeah. Someone, as a poet, his name is Jane Hirschfield, who once said that poetry is meant for the intensification and magnification of being. The intensification and magnification of being. And when I read that, I thought, well, what are we doing here on the cushion? I think what we're doing here on the cushion is also for the intensification and magnification of being. So they're quite related. Yeah. I, I appreciate what you said about fear actually being excitement. Uh-huh. And that meant a lot, because I always get to this place where I feel fear. Uh-huh. And I, shut, I immediately start to open my eyes. And then I shut, I shut it out. But I know that's where I want to go. Uh-huh. And I know that. Yeah. And I hit that spot, and I withdraw from it. Uh-huh. Unwillingly. Uh-huh. <laughs> Reflexively. Yeah. And so fear... Let me just say a couple more things, because fear is interesting, I think, for many people. It isn't always excitement. Sometimes it's fear. And But what it always is, is a mind state. Now, that can seem not easy to take in sometimes. Because sometimes the mind state is there because you have very good reason to be afraid, right? The person hurt you before, or the truck is barreling down, or the bear is after you, or whatever. And so you're afraid. 
But we all know, of course, in those circumstances, sometimes if the mind gets caught in that mind state, we actually don't respond so very well. So to begin to understand that it's a mind state that we don't have to engage in is actually quite helpful. It, but sometimes it's also necessary to sit with it and be with it and feel it and get curious and investigate it. And so, so it's possible to be awake even around the mind state of fear. I wouldn't do it unless you were working with the teacher and feeling pretty comfortable with it. So it's fine also to notice, oh, there's the fear, and I'm going to pull back. But then you can, you know, you can kind of look at it out of the corner of your eye a little bit, maybe. Go, oh, and feel it, maybe, a little bit, and then come back. So you can do a little dance with it as well. So I don't know if that's useful. And maybe yours is excitement. There's a technique or a skill um, used in public speaking where if you're about to talk to an audience and you get a bit of stage fright, you tell yourself to recognize it as excitement Uh instead of fear. Uh Interesting. Takes a certain well, I'm just thinking about since that's interesting because I do a lot of public speaking, right? And so I would say my own way also has been to ignore. Sometimes it helps just to tell the audience, which I can do. Actually, it's like, oh, here I am tonight talking to you, and for some reason I'm nervous. And usually, what happens is all of you go, oh, and then I feel fine. <laughs> It works really well. So so I think there's a way of somehow just naming it that is really helpful. And it's true, sometimes it is excitement. But the bioneurology is exactly the same. Whether right. it's excitement or fear, the same yeah. chemicals are being yeah. produced yeah. that create that physical state. Oh, no, that's interesting. I don't think I knew that. Hmm. Exactly so the same? Mm-hmm. So it's an interpretation. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. So then what we're getting at is sometimes what is in there is your story. Right? And so depending if your story is, you know, oh, it's excitement and I can do this and I'm on the roller coaster ride and that's fun. But if the story is I'm little and I'm about to be eaten, you know, it's much harder, yeah. Yeah, you'll probably get eaten. Ah, right. <laughs> <laughs> More likely to. Yes. Yeah, I think that's true. But, but when you're meditating, it's just like a door. I mean, you know, there's nothing over there. That's exactly. Going to exactly. Thank and, you. And same with public speaking. You know, I mean, I get stage fright, but I know nothing's going to hurt me, uh-huh. and I know I can speak well, uh-huh. but I get still get. But I think that's very important what you're saying about meditation because that's true about many mind states in meditation. Because often, as a strong mind state comes up, we're really not so certain about feeling it. It might be fear, but it could be sexual desire. It could be anger. It could be hatred. It could be all kinds of things. It could be jealousy. And one of the instructions is, you're here, you're safe, 
you're just on the cushion. Your agreement with us is you're just going to sit there and kind of be relatively still and not do anything too strange. And so it's okay to feel it. You can allow that anger to come up and really understand it and feel it. You can be full of volcanic rage. (laughs) And at the end of the sitting, you understand a great deal more about your volcanic rage. You know, or or your desire, or your jealousy, or whatever, or your fear. Yeah. Hmm. Well, maybe that's enough. So let me make a few announcements. Um, <clears throat> one is that uh, just uh, one more reminder that a week from Sunday. Um, Marcy Reynolds, who's our beloved Qigong teacher, is teaching a day of mindfulness and Qigong here at the center, starting at 9.30. There's flyers over there on the table. Um, One is um, reminding you all about the flyers for the retreat, which is over Memorial Day weekend at Land of Medicine Buddha. And I'm told it's already half full. So if you've been sort of sitting back thinking, oh, I'll register for it later, um, you might want to reconsider because it won't take that many more people before it's full up. And then I just want to bow to two other flyers. One is my own. Um, this is not, this is a, these two things are teachings by our teachers, but not Vipassana Santa Cruz. One is a weekend on working with committed relationship as practice. And if you're at all interested in that, the flyer is over on the table. It's called Flesh and Spirit, the Mystery of Intimate Relationship. And the other is a weekend that Carla is doing. More than a weekend, it's almost a week. Um, A backcountry retreat in the John Muir Wilderness this summer. And so that flyer is also over there. Any other announcements? Please, Isabel. Um, there are two baskets by the door to express your gratitude for the teachings tonight. And one is for the Sangha expenses, one for our teacher, Mary Grace. And another way of expressing your generosity would be to do a monthly pledge, which is really helpful for the Sangha. And you can also go online and donate that. So I just want to say, I'm going to amplify on that because we're trying to be a little clearer about how the Donna system works because people are, many people um, are relatively new. And that's just to say that um, when you offer, we're particularly looking at teacher support right now. So the, the Sangha Donna basket always goes to the care and feeding of this wonderful place that's all the result of people's generosity. The teacher, Donna, if you come to a class that I teach, or that Carla teaches, or that Bob teaches, or that Jason teaches, the Donna at that event goes to that particular teacher. Unless you make a note on your check, or unless you put your cash in an envelope that says, I want this distributed, or I want it to go to this particular teacher, or however. And then online, 
you can do the same thing. You can make it for a specific teacher. I think relatively soon we're going to have the ability online for there to be a general teacher donation that will go to a general teacher support fund that we will then be able to distribute possibly more according to need, that kind of thing. So um, just know that that's true. And maybe also just to say that, because I know some of you are new, that none of us are paid. We, we receive no support from Vipassana Santa Cruz. So it is really, um, as they say at Burning Man, it's a gift economy. So some of you may not go to Burning Man, but most of us know about it here in Santa Cruz. Huh? So it's, it's an economy that's really based on gifts. And um, so that's how we make it work. And we're trying to figure out ways to keep on making it work that way. So, All right, so we'll end the instruction I forgot to mention that I gave to my friend on email this, this morning um, was that I also told this person that as they were sitting they should hold themselves with some friendliness and kindness. So that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to close with some metta or loving-kindness practice. So one of the first instructions is to sit really comfortably. Do not sit in your most painful meditation (laughs) position because that's not very kind. So sit comfortably, relatively comfortably, and take a breath or two. Bring yourself back into your body. And in some simple way, extend some friendliness, some goodwill, some compassion, some kindness to yourself. It can be with a phrase, may I be peaceful, may I have ease of well-being. It can be with an image, a color, some particular image that really speaks to you. It can simply be by breathing friendliness and goodwill through the body. Find a way that works for you. let yourself be aware of all the other people in the room to your right, to your left in front of you and behind you people whose voices you've heard tonight and extend the same friendliness and goodwill around the room each person here just like you wants to be happy wants to come to an end of suffering so extending our goodwill our compassion again with a phrase or an image or simply the breath may we all be peaceful may we all have ease of well-being then we can let our attention go out into the world extending 
our friendliness and goodwill first towards the people whom we know and love. And if there's anyone whose name you'd like to place in the room tonight, please do so. Amelia. Julian. Perhaps tonight also to extend our compassion and goodwill and friendliness to all of the people who have been caught in this terrible war, the soldiers, the Iraqis, the people of this country, remembering all of the people who have died, extending our compassion to families and friends, extending our compassion and goodwill to all of those in power. Even when it's maybe not so easy to do so. And then letting our goodwill, our friendliness, extend on out to all people, to all the creatures of the earth and the air and the water, (coughs) to all beings in all directions, in all realms, beings known and unknown to us. And then last of all, we gather up all of the goodness, all of the merit of our practice together tonight. And we offer this goodness, this merit, for all of these beings, that all beings may come to awakening, not one left behind. and your practice. I'm not going to see you for a couple of weeks, but you will be in very good hands, I assure you. So please come. Jill and Carla and Jason, I think, are going to be teaching in my absence. So, Did you want to say anything about the beginner's class before people leave? Are you here enough to do so? Jason just got in from India today, I think. Oh, wow. <laughs> He's looking a little Indian, actually. <laughs> Monday evenings beginning sometime in April. Right. Right. So watch the website. Thank you.